Well, it really is a joy to be with you here this morning to get to wrap up our Road Trips Through the Bible series that we've been doing. And I'm so excited to share this particular road trip story with you because it's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. So we're gonna jump into that in a minute. But before we do that, I'd like to introduce you to my family. Uh, this is my family up here on the screen, hopefully soon. And um, this picture was taken in December when my daughter Mackenzie got married. I have three daughters, Mackenzie, Katie, and Madison, and our newly acquired son-in-law, Franklin, who we love very much. And then that handsome guy up there is my terrific, wonderful, fabulous husband, Stephen. Um, we are actually gonna celebrate our 30th anniversary in two weeks. How is that even possible? How are we that old? Uh, three decades went by just like that. But I actually wanna show you a different picture of our family to help set the stage for the road trip story that I wanna share with you. This picture was taken probably close to 2011 when this road trip story happened. You can see we all look much younger. The kids were fairly small and we took off on our annual trip to Colorado. Like many of us Texans, we try to leave Texas and go to Colorado at least for a week to get out of the heat. And so we packed the minivan. For those of you who have never experienced a minivan, I just wanna tell you, they are workhorses. You can pack the entire house in the minivan with yourself and your kids and everything you need. And we had this thing packed up to the top. So we took off. And the way that we go to, uh, to Colorado is we go through Amarillo and then we cut off the little corner of New Mexico and go into Colorado. So we had just gone through the little tiny town of Texline which is aptly named because it's on the border of Texas and New Mexico. And we're into the New Mexico desert when the car starts acting kind of funny, sounding funny. You know what I'm talking about if this has ever happened to you. Stephen and I exchange nervous glances and then the thing just dies on the middle of the road. So Stephen pulls it over to the side. We wait a minute, starts right back up. And I was like, oh, good, crisis averted. Wow, that would have been horrible. You know where this is going. Uh, we get probably less than 10 more miles down the road. It happens again. Pull over the side of the road, wait a minute, starts again. But it's getting like less and less that we're able to go. So I see the writing on the wall. The problem is, I mentioned we're in the middle of the New Mexico desert where there is no bars or like half a bar. So I can't look up any websites to look for hotels or something. I can't even make a phone call, but I can text just the green text, not the blue text. You know what I'm talking about. So I text my best friend, Amy, and I say, look, we are in a bad way here. We are not gonna be going to Colorado. We're gonna need to have a car towed somewhere, have it looked at, we're gonna need somewhere to stay. Could you possibly help me find a motel somewhere in the area? Well, she's silent for a long time. She finally texts back. She's like, you really are in the middle of nowhere. I was like, yes, I know, I know, I know, help me. She said, okay, I, I think I found a place for you. Um, I mean, I think it's just gonna be your best option. It gets three stars. And one, one reviewer did say to bring a gun and a vacuum. <laughs> but other than that, I think it's gonna be your best bet. Okay, so we call the tow truck driver and the New Mexico State Highway Patrol. And they both show up and we pack, half of us pack into the back of the patrol car Half of us jump into the front seat with the tow truck driver and we take our gun and our vacuum and we go to this little motel in Raton, New Mexico. And so we get there and it's, it's little and it's definitely three stars, but there's a little pool there. And so the kids are pretty excited and it's kind of clean. So 
You know, it's like, well, this is looking up. And then across the street is a Sonic. So what more could you ask for, right? Uh, so even, even the craziest road trips, can, we can laugh about them if enough time has passed. I think we're just actually now to that point. There's so much more to that story. If you'd like to hear the rest of it, come find me afterwards. But there's so much more to that story. But as I was preparing this message, I thought, you know what? This is interesting. We're about to talk about Philip and the road trip that he took. And I thought there's some similarities between the Gray family road trip disaster and Philip's road trip. We found ourselves in the middle of a desert in New Mexico um, and, and Philip found himself on the desert road and he needed direction. He didn't have a best friend, Amy. He definitely didn't have a phone or any apps, but he had God. He had the Lord to lead and guide him and that's all he needed. So we're gonna jump into that story, but before we do, I'd like to pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this amazing story. God, I pray that you just quiet all of our hearts and help us to lay aside any distractions that we brought with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me and through me and that you would be honored and glorified by everything that is said and done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the story we're gonna talk about is found in Acts chapter eight. So I'd like for you to turn to that if, in your Bible, if you brought one. And while you do that, I wanna tell you a little bit about Philip. We don't know a lot about Philip actually, but I'll tell you the little bit we do know about him. He's not Philip the disciple. There, one of Jesus' 12 disciples was named Philip, but that's not this guy. That was Philip the disciple. This guy's known as Philip the deacon. And the reason he was known as Philip the deacon is he was one of seven Gentile men chosen to help take care of widows in the early church. The church in Jerusalem was growing like crazy and people were coming to Jesus, but they were also coming with their problems just like they do today. And one of the most marginalized people in that culture at the time were widows. If they did not have a husband or a son, they had no way to care for themselves. And so the church did what the church should do and took care of these widows. But the disciples were being overwhelmed with the amount of work. So they selected seven men. Philip was one of them. Another one of them was named Stephen. And I want you to remember that because I'm gonna come back to that in just a minute. We read in Acts 21 that Philip loved Jesus. And while he was primarily tasked with caring for widows, he also loved to share the good news, the gospel with people. So he actually became known as Philip the Evangelist, which I think is really cool. We also learn in Acts 21 that Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So I can relate to his family. Our families look kind of similar. And I love that they were all involved with ministry. Something else we know about Philip is that he was ready and willing to go wherever God called him to go. We read at the first part of Acts chapter eight that Philip had a thriving ministry in Samaria. People were being healed, demons were being cast out and people were coming to Jesus a lot every day. And then the Lord asked Philip to leave all that and go somewhere else. I wonder what made Philip so ready and willing to just go, to just leave something that was going great and go somewhere else. How could he leave a known thing that was good 
and obey God and go where God called him, where there were so many questions, so many unknowns. Well, we're gonna look at Philip's story today to try to help answer that question. You know, on a road trip, you rely on a map to get you where you wanna go. We don't actually use maps anymore. We use apps, map apps. I was telling my kids how when I used to work uh, in, in corporate, I would fly somewhere and y'all can, some of y'all will remember this. You get there, you've never been there. You get your rental car, you're pulling out and they just hand you a map. And then you have to pull over and try to figure out where in the world am I and where am I going? Thankfully, we have technology that makes it where we don't have to do that anymore. We all have our favorite, Google Maps, Apple Maps, Waze, whatever it is. Well, in our story today, God is the one who is giving Philip directions on where he wants him to go. He gives him three kinds of directions. Some are external, some are internal, and some are supernatural. Some are external, where God is giving directions to Philip to get him where he wants him to be physically. Some are internal, where the Spirit of God living in Philip is telling Philip what to say. And then one is in a totally different category. It's a supernatural thing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's go ahead and dive into the scripture. Acts chapter eight, verse 26 says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now I wanna show you a map to give you a little context. Philip actually took a lot of road trips in this story. I mentioned that they were in Jerusalem. You can kind of see that where all the colors converge down there. And he was um, with the early church and and all that. And then I mentioned that one of the seven men chosen was Stephen. Well, Stephen also loved to tell people about Jesus. And so one day Stephen was in a really large crowd in Jerusalem talking about Jesus, sharing the good news of the gospel. And there were some religious leaders there who did not want Stephen doing that. And so they actually started to throw rocks at him. And they threw so many rocks at him that he died. He died. Stephen is considered the first Christian martyr, someone killed for their faith. Well, that marked the beginning of a chapter of severe persecution in the church. And so what happened is everybody left Jerusalem. They scattered all over the place. And Philip chose to go up to Samaria. He took that yellow road trip to get to Samaria where he had that fruitful ministry that we were talking about. Now remember in Samaria, he was seeing this lush, fruitful ministry, people coming to Jesus, being healed, being, having demons cast out. And then God asked him to leave, but he doesn't just ask him to leave that. He asked him to leave that and go to the desert road. What a contrast, fruitful, lush ministry. And God says, go to the desert road. If it was me, I think I might would have responded like, uh, hey, thanks God for the new opportunity. It's really nice of you to think of me, but things are going really well here. And if I leave, they might fall apart. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty comfortable here. I like my friends. Uh, I really don't wanna leave. So thanks for the offer, but I think I'll pass. (laughs) But what's at the center of that response? Philip, right? Philip's need to maybe be seen as important to be in control, um, to be comfortable. But he doesn't respond like that at all. Let's see how Philip responds. Verses 27 through 28 says, so he started out 
And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now let's go back to that very beginning of verse 27. So he started out. There's no indication that he hesitated, that he asked God why, that he argued with God. He just started out. And I wanna show you the map again because this was something I'd never realized before. God asked him to go to the desert road. When he's in Samaria, he has to walk on that blue road trip just to get to the desert road. I never realized that. That was 30 or 40 miles. Be like us walking from here to Gainesville. He had a lot of time to think. And I wonder what he thought about. And I wonder if he had some long conversations with God. But I thought that was really interesting. I'd never noticed that before. And this is where we meet the Ethiopian eunuch. Now this man, we don't know a lot about him. We know he was really important. The scripture tells us that he was in charge of all the money for the queen of Ethiopia. Now Ethiopia is a country that still exists today in Africa. And the other really interesting thing about this man is that he worshiped the one true God, the God of Israel. Because it tells us that he had been to Jerusalem to worship. And now he was on his way back to Ethiopia via the desert road. Um, let's see, oh yeah, so then God gives Philip another external direction to get him where he wants him to go physically. Let's look at verses 29 through 30. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Again, there's no indication that he hesitated at all. In fact, what does the text say? It says he ran up to the chariot. And again, if it was me, I may would have had some questions for God. Uh, like, hey God, you know what? That guy looks really rich and important. Uh, I'm not sure he's gonna care about anything I have to say. And he, he looks really different from me. How do I know that we can find any common ground or that we even share a common language? You know, he looks smart too. I may not be able to answer his questions. And then I would have thought, God, that feels really awkward to just run up to a chariot and hang out by it. But that's just me. Obviously, Philip had a different response. It says he ran. Not only was he willing, but he was eager. But then here's a really interesting piece that I'd never seen before. Philip's really willing, you know, willing and eager to go. And God says to run up that chariot, go. And he runs up to it. But then look what he does next. He listens. He listens. He doesn't come guns blazing, coming in hot with his message, with what he wants to say, with his sermon, with his gospel presentation. Now he runs up to the chariot and he listens. And he listens long enough to hear that the man is reading from what we would call today the Old Testament book of Isaiah. I love his posture of humility posture of humility, he wasn't concerned with conveying his message as much as he was concerned with listening first and listen to the Holy Spirit. He's listening to the man, he's listening to the Holy Spirit talk to him. I love that. Now we're gonna make a shift from the external directions to the internal directions where God is gonna lead Philip on what to say. So Acts 8.30, the second part of verse 30 says, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Now, how do we know 
that God told Philip to ask that question? Well, because we know the character of God is to love people and that he wants to reach people through us, through relationships. So I wanna just do a quick poll, if you'll hang with me here for a minute. Most people who come to know Jesus, come to know him through another person. So I wanna see a show of hands and keep your hands up. If you came to know Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus and you came to know him through a parent, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, would you just raise your hand? You guys at home, raise your hand, look around. I mean, most of us who came to know Jesus came to know him through another person. And Philip understood that. And so he was willing to invest in this man, to show an interest in him, to express some curiosity, to ask him a question. Do you know what you're reading? Now let's read what the man said in answer to Philip's question. We're gonna be in verse 31 through 34. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself? or someone else. So again, we see Philip run up to the chariot, listen, hear what the man is reading, ask him, do you understand what you're reading? And then this man answers back with another question. And what happens? They start a conversation. He invites Philip to sit up with him in the chariot and they begin a relationship. He shares the, uh, we also know, this is an important thing to understand that we know God um, leads us to be in the lives of other people. It's how people come to Christ. And so let's see what God leads Philip to say next. In verse 35, it says, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, again, how do we know that God told Philip to share the good news of Jesus? because we know that God wants all people to come to him. First Timothy two, three through four says, this is good and pleases God our savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's heart for all people to come to him. And so Philip meets him right where he is in that chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And he uses that very scripture to explain the good news of Jesus, to explain how all the Old Testament points to Jesus as the Messiah. So my question to you is, do you know how to share the good news of Jesus? Well, I'd love to share with you a really simple, easy way to do that using these colors. And kids, I think you learned how to do this in kids ministry a few weeks ago. So for you guys, this can be a review. But for everybody else, this is a great and easy way to share the, the gospel. You could have a little bracelet, you know, with these colors. You can make a little book with these colors. The colors just help us tell the story of the gospel. So yellow represents perfection. It kind of looks like gold, something precious and beautiful. We were created to have a perfect relationship with God. When Adam and Eve were put in the garden, they were in a perfect relationship with God. But then sin entered into the picture. Sin 
is something that we all have. Adam and Eve sinned, but we sin too, me and you. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin are those things that we do in the dark when no one's looking. The things we do that we know we shouldn't do, the things we don't do that we know we should do. We all have sin and there's nothing that we can do about it on our own. So God never stopped loving us, even though sin separated us from, from him. So he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross and shed his blood, as we sang about in the song earlier, so that we could be made clean, that we could have our sin problem taken care of. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He came alive again. And because he did, he conquered sin and death and made it possible for us to be put back in that perfect relationship with God that we were always supposed to have. But it doesn't stop there. Green represents growing. We continue to grow. We learn more about God. We learn more about ourselves. We learn why we're here, what our purpose is, what God's plan for us are. So that is a very simple way to just share the good news of the gospel. And in a little bit different way, this is exactly what Philip shared with the Ethiopian, and you can share that too. So I encourage you to practice that because as the more you practice it, you get better and better at it. Now, the next thing that God leads Philip to do, I think it's really important that we miss sometimes. He doesn't just stop with that. I'm imagining he said, do you understand this? And would you like to say yes to Jesus? Is there anything keeping you today from saying yes to Jesus. And so the man obviously says yes. Philip asks if he wants to be baptized. And then we go to verse 36 through 38. Let's read that. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Now, this is the part of the story I kind of alluded to before, the supernatural direction. Now, God doesn't actually give Philip another direction. He just swoops him up. So let's read verses 39 through 40. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Yes, you read that right. He's baptizing this man. He comes out of the water and he disappears like on Star Trek. Remember how they did that? They would just transport people. That's what God did. He makes him disappear from there and he makes him reappear in Azotus, which is like 30 miles away. Where it, the scripture tells us Philip was ready and willing to just keep doing whatever God called him to do and to do great ministry. I wonder why Philip was so ready and willing to go and to do whatever God had called him to. I wonder if it was because he understood that he was called to Christ and sent to people to share the good news of Jesus. And because he understood who he was and what his purpose in life was, he could trust God. He could leave what was comfortable and good and fruitful and go to the desert road. Remember when he started out, he didn't know that he would meet the Ethiopian man. He didn't know that the end game at all but he trusted God because he knew that he was called to Christ and sent to people. 
Now we looked at how God spoke to people, uh, to Philip through external, internal, and supernatural directions, but this story is 2000 years old. So what does it have to do with us today? I think that's always a great question to ask. I think the common thread that connects Philip's road trip story with ours is that we too are called to Christ and sent to people. And we are all on a road trip. It's a road trip of our lives every day. And God wants to guide and direct us through each moment of each day because he wants to reach people through us. So how do we listen to him? How do we hear where he wants us to go? Who wants us to talk to? Well, if you are a Christian, your God app is always open. You have a God app and I do too. And that's how God speaks to us. And we can kind of have a posture of listening by praying three simple things. God, help me to see. Help me to see the people that I encounter every day that don't know you. Help me to ask, how might you want to use me in their lives to bless them and to point them to you? And God, help me to go. Help me to go to the places you want me to go and interact with the people that you lead me to so I can share your love with them. Now, you might be saying, that all sounds good in theory, but what does this actually look like? I hear people say they hear from God, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. Well, as we spend time in the word of God, which is the Bible, which is the primary way that God speaks to us, we become better able to hear the spirit of God that lives inside of us. We read the Bible, we listen to God, and then we listen to the spirit of God as he speaks to us. So getting more practical, for us adults, what might this look like? I don't think God's gonna ask you to get in your car, drive to 35 and start driving north. He might, I don't know. But most likely we're all gonna go to a job tomorrow. We're gonna shop in our grocery stores, walk around our neighborhoods, go to our gyms, and we're gonna encounter all kinds of people. And so here's an example of something that you can pray as you go throughout your day. God, open my eyes to the people I meet that don't know you. Give me a heart to really see them and listen to them. Show me how I can love them and point them to Jesus by what I do and say. It's very simple. It's just a posture of God, use me. Do in me and through me what you want to. And then for you kids and students, I hate to break it to you, but you're about to go back to school. Sorry, parents. I know, everybody's so angry. It's just that time of year. And for some of you, you're gonna be going to a new school. All of you are gonna be in new classes and you're gonna be with new people. So here's something that maybe you could pray. God, show me how to be a good friend to the people that I meet this year. Give me a heart to truly see them the way that you do and open my ears so that I'm a good listener as I talk to them. Give me the courage to talk to them about Jesus and maybe even to invite them to church. So there's just a couple of simple ways that we can just start our day. God, use me. You know, in the past year, we've been talking about pursuing our community with the good news of Jesus. Now, there's kind of two components to that. There's the community right here around Bentry, 
but there's also our individual communities where we uniquely interact with people in our lives that don't know Jesus. And God wants to show his love to those people through us. So again, we can simply pray, God, help me to see the people around me that don't know you. Help me to ask, how do you want to use me to bless them and to point them to Jesus? God, help me to go to the places you want me to go and the people that you want me to go to. So on Wednesday, as I was heading here to practice and prepare this sermon, on a whim, I kind of stopped in at Walgreens down the street and I parked in the front, it was real early. I was glad they were open. And I stopped in the front and I'm about to walk in when this beautiful young African-American woman who had the most beautiful Afro I've ever seen she locks eyes with me and she said, I don't know if you may be going through something difficult or having a hard day, but I just wanna say, God bless you. And I just hope that you have a blessed day. I was so taken aback. I mean, I was just running into Walgreens. And of course I said, you too. <laughs> you know, it was like so taken off guard, but I couldn't stop thinking about that. And the more I thought about it, I thought this is exactly what we're talking about. For whatever reason, God put me on her heart in that moment. And she was willing to trust God and step outside of her comfort zone to speak a blessing into my life, to point me to the Lord and to show me the love of God. And we can do that too, because we are called to Christ and sent to people. And because we know who we are and why we are here, we can trust God and be ready and willing to go wherever he calls us to go, to talk to whoever he calls us to talk to, because we can trust him and be ready and willing. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for all that you taught me over the last few weeks as I've been in this scripture. I always learn so much from you, from your word, so thank you. God, help us all to just have a posture of openness every day as we go throughout our lives to be ready and willing to do what you call us to do, to talk to who you want us to talk to so that we can point people to Jesus and be your hands and feet. Lord, please bless us as we go throughout our weeks. May we do that and keep you at the center of um, our lives and our affections and please be honored and glorified by everything we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here and we will see you next week. Thank you.